Welcome, horror fam, to HHN 365, a Halloween Horror Nights podcast. My name is Mike, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, Duff. How's it going, Duff? Hey, how's it going, Mike? It's going okay. It's going okay. We also have Nico, our producer, on the line, as always. How's it going, Nico? I'm still stuck inside. How are you doing? <laughs> same here, same here. <laughs> on this episode, we'll be dissecting the, uh, the house Killer Clowns from Outer Space from HHN 29 with a very special guest with us. Um, but Ooh. first, Duff, give us a recap of the final few rounds of the Copa del Quarantine. Yeah, oh, so uh, as you guys probably know, the Copa del Quarantine has come to an end. We have crowned a champion, uh, and I might as well start with that. Uh, Universal Monsters defeated woo, woo, the woo. second seed Graveyard Games as an eight seed uh, to win it all. Um, uh-huh. Guys, it was uh-huh. only separated by three votes. Yeah, it was very close. Um, it's a good thing I voted. Right? <laughs> Look at you. Ruin it for us. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, you may notice that uh, there were two HHN 29 houses in the final. And um, yeah, that happened. Uh, so we were talking last time about how recency is going to play a factor and uh, played a very, very large part in how yeah. this tournament went down. Uh, so uh, let's just talk about a few interesting things that happened to lead us up to that final. Um, we had a matchup that was separated by one single vote. Uh, and that was Ghost Town as a fifth seed, uh, edging out Halloween as a four seed. Oh, wow. Yeah, yep. just one Buzzer single beater. vote. Yep. Uh, Ghost Town, the Curse of Lightning Gulch, would go on to lose to Universal Monsters on their path to the championship. Um, a couple other good matchups. Uh, we had Jack Presents taking on Graveyard Games in the semifinals. That was separated by only... Um, it was like five to seven votes. I don't remember the exact number off the yeah. top of my head, but it was a really close Very matchup. Close. Very close. Uh, Slaughter Cinema put up a good fight against Graveyard Games as well. Um, uh, but yeah, there were some really fun matchups. There were some um, upsetting upsets. Uh, the Shining beating Dead Exposure uh, by a wide margin um, made me want to cancel the tournament on the spot, uh, but I didn't. I let it ride. It's okay. Poltergeist I beat Scarecrow. Poltergeist That's- beat Scarecrow. Uh, yeah, that, that was awesome. that was only by uh, like four votes, I believe, four to six votes, very close as well. Um, otherwise, uh, we we mainly did have close ones, but they were you know like fifteen to twenty votes between them. Um, but that kind of breaks down the one where like single digit votes, um, especially that one vote one between Ghost Town and Halloween is just insane. Um, and thank you for that because we were dreading what we would do during the ties. So, yeah, we didn't have a, a tiebreaker planned out. We'll definitely have to have one for the next time we do this. But um, yeah, so I guess we should talk about that. We we uh, do plan on doing it again. Um, it'll be after the next horror night, so we have a new batch of houses. Um, <laughs> and basically, what we're gonna do is retire the winner of each one into like the Hall of Fame. Uh, so Universal Monsters, you will not see in our tournaments again. They have won, and they are a champion forever. And that's how it's gonna be. Uh, is there? Is there any possibility that we can do a uh, Crappa del Quarantine and do the worst houses of uh, Horror Nights? Uh, I don't need that. But I feel like we're going to get a lot of flame for including some houses that we'll have to include. Oh, but isn't that isn't that what uh, Twitter's for and Twitter and Instagram's for for flaming? I mean, yes, we're already getting it right now. So also the name Crappa del Quarantine is such a great name for that that I just came up with. So <laughs> I feel like the problem is Nico is I feel like there are a lot of people who are just skimming Twitter. There'll be some confusion in exactly what we're voting for. Mm. So I feel like a lot of people will be voting for their favorite when they um, are 
they they think they're voting for their favorite um, when they're actually voting for. Uh, I see. So I feel like that would have require a real a lot a lot of um, putting it out there that yeah no you are voting for your least favorite house of all time. Oh yeah, I mean you could definitely do that. Well, if you want to have a crap Adele quarantine, tweet at us <laughs> and uh, see if we can get that do- done for you. <laughs> I'm not against it. I just think yeah, it's, I don't hate it. Uh, I don't get it. to answer all the the um, Instagram DMs and Twitter DMs on where like why is Lunatics Playground your winner? Like the house is terrible. <laughs> well, that's their yeah. fault for not paying attention. See, our 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 DMs are already kind of full from people being upset about certain things that won, and we had no say <laughs> in it. We didn't pick right? this. Right, Every, it, it was all a fan vote. People were very upset about the bracket in general when the bracket was built by a fan votes. We did not <laughs> create the bracket in in any way. It was all we created the the groupings. We didn't even create. It was nope, literally it was by year. We yeah, literally did year. almost nothing. So you're saying democracy has failed us again? <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, but I did notice that after we posted the uh, championship like graphic for Universal Monsters, there were people who uh, had not seen this before and were like, oh, I missed it. Uh, and I noticed that a lot of people who had seen it were like, why did you pick this? Are you crazy? It was okay, but best of all time. I, like, <laughs> I mean, I didn't pick it. Actually, I, I voted it. against it personally. All we did was the but, uh, seating. Yeah. <laughs> and even the only, then, like, we seated it based off how you guys voted. Uh, the only thing we did is have a vote like you guys. I voted still. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I, I lost in the finals with my vote. So, yeah. All right. Well, that's the wrap up of the Copa del Quarantine. Um, Duff and Nico, is there any uh, news or rumors out there? Well, we got some big City Walk news City coming our walk. way. Uh, announced today, uh, City Walk will open on a limited basis with uh, social distancing definitely being uh, at the forefront of everyone's mind. And face covering will be required, thank goodness, uh, here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's for all guests and all team members. Uh, valet parking is not available. Self-parking is complimentary. So... There may not even be people at the booths. Uh, they might just like throw, put you right through. Yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, the Universal oh, Studios store will be open, so actual Universal team members will be working, not mm-hmm. the third-party team members. Uh, and uh, we got s- many stores that says that they're going to be open uh, here. I'm definitely, yeah. So. Auntie Anne's Pretzels, Bubba Gump Shrimp Company, Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville, which is only going to be Patio and the Lone Palm. So over there by the Hemisphere Dancer, you'll be able to uh, get a drink there. Uh, Red Oven Pizza Bakery, it says mobile ordering available. And Voodoo Donut says mobile ordering available. So that'll probably be like, probably, you know, pick up and go there. Mm. But one really interesting one on here is Hollywood Drive-In Golf. Yeah, which if we think about it, that would that's a bit of a surprise to me because it's community handles that we're going to be handing off. But it's also a lot easier to restrict the amount of clubs you hand out Mm -hmm. and to sanitize them real quick. So I I assume that's going to be what they're going to do. They're going to be like 
sanitizing the crap out of those grips right uh and clubs but i'm still very surprised that the universal stores open mm-hmm. uh, hollywood driving and golf and uh just the retail portion of the heart and huntington tattoo company <laughs> will be there uh it's probably we'll probably have a long while till we have probably the the frozen yogurt place open and probably some of the other places Cowfish, oh, and, my uh, baby. And, yeah cowfish and also uh the Cinemark is also closed. Yep. And uh, so um, I personally will not be partaking. Do either of you plan on taking a visit? No, probably not. Ooh, voodoo donut, though. <laughs> <laughs> Mobile order on my way home from work. Mm. Tempting. Uh, it's very tempting. Very tempting. You walk um, all the way in there. I've done it before for Father's Just, Day. So oh, I've I've done it before. I might do it again, but. There's no valet, so I might not because I'm a <laughs> I'm, I'm too bougie <laughs> for that. I, I think I can speak on HHN 365 as a whole where I say if you choose to go, um, we will not judge. We don't mind as long no, as you not. please follow the safety protocols that are there for everyone's safety and not just yours. Right. Remember that if you are sick, the mask isn't stay just for you, home. it's right. for everyone else. Yes. Absolutely. So Wear your mask. Follow the rules. If you go, enjoy yourself. Get some good food. Well, there's not many good food options available right now. Um, get some mediocre food and, um, you know, enjoy some fresh air. Um, or stay home like uh, I think me and Mike are definitely doing. And um, depending on uh, some voodoo action, Nico as well. Oh, uh, also one very important thing. Temperature check required. Mm. All guests and team members. Temperature re- check required of 104 degrees that is the first one to say that in the in the orlando area oh wow they're t- so at at the it at says the for, gate they're it doesn't say where but it says we ask that all guests and team members comply with the following and it's only going to be from 4 p.m to 10 p.m every night mm. so mm, that's really interesting there that's definitely probably a good opportunity for testing that and seeing how that works operationally. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's what they're trying to do there. Absolutely. Uh, so if you want to see your favorite blogger uh, or vlogger, uh, <laughs> go to City Walk May 14th, baby. Yeah. You'll see them all there. <laughs> and if, if you are a vlogger or blogger and I see you there without a mask, we will flame you on our show. Yes, Happen. you will be flamed if you do not have a mask. Right. Because and that it, is irresponsible. <laughs> I think something that I see people talk about uh, when people say that is, well, what if I just need to breathe and stand off to the side? Then I don't think people care. If you need to go stand off by the water and pull it down, get some fresh air to pull it down for a second, that's fine. Yeah, and if you're pulling you pull it, it down, it down when eat. you're just walking around without your mask, that's a problem. Yeah, I know as a vlogger and blogger, you want um, HHN 30 to happen as much as we do, uh, if you go and start blogging and walking around without a, a mask, you are hindering that. Mm-hmm. So we will definitely flame you on Twitter. So yeah, it's true. Don't do that. Every, every time you go to the, these parks and break any of the rules, once they start opening, um, they are less likely to uh, open further things up. Right. If and people just, can't follow the rules, they have no reason um, to keep a letting us in, period. You know, they could close the parks again if if it's deemed necessary. Uh, and two, giving us more to enjoy. 
Right. And if you think you're too cool to wear a mask, just go ask all the guys who had to suffer through depths of fear this season wearing those <laughs> masks. And then say that to them and see what they say to you. So wear your wear yeah. your wear your dang masks, folks. Give Come them on. a neck massage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> from six feet away. Like yeah. get one of those like arm neck massages. <laughs> All right. Oh, I know we have some um, construction photos uh, uh, from both coasts too, Duff. Yeah. Um, so the ones on our coast uh, we've mentioned before were the uh, the ones in the sprung tents um, where you can see like active construction um, from trucks uh, and um, supplies being brought into the tents. Uh, there's a little bit you can see a men in black, but we've already seen that actively happening. Uh, so that's not really new. Uh, but in Hollywood, uh, we have our first construction photos, period. Um, it looks like they have a good portion of a maze constructed uh, underneath tarp in uh, the Waterworld location. Um, I personally don't have any guesses to what it could be. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Is there anything you saw in there, Mike? No, it's it's. I think it's way too hard to to tell. I know there are a lot of uh, rumors and speculation, but we're not going to necessarily speak to to any of that. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, it's good to see that they started construction because. Uh, they were probably in more jeopardy of not hosting the event than we were in Orlando. Right. Um, I mean, that's just uh, in California, the restrictions have been heavier. Um, they haven't really been eased yet for the most part. Um, and the parks look like they're on a uh, slower timeline to open. Right. Yeah, their timeline's so, so a lot slower. Looking the like fact that first. they have started construction now, like in the midst of all this, makes you think they're actually going to try to make this happen. That they're actually optimistic they'll they'll put it on. All right, let's get to the main segment of the show. We are actually going to have another house dissection today. Um, it's going to be Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Uh, we're actually going to have two guests with us to go over this. Um, the first guest you've actually heard on the show before, probably the most wholesome thing that's ever been on our <laughs> show, uh, his <laughs> voicemail about this particular house. That would be at Hung Upon Theme Parks. Jonathan, how's it going, Jonathan? It's going good. Thank you guys for having me. Yo, yo, thank you for being on the show. I know how passionate you are about Killer Clowns. Yes, I absolutely adore this house, and I can't wait to talk about it. Uh, we can't either. Uh, then all, also, we have a very special treat. I teased it on the last episode. We To go over this house, we decided to go as big as we could. Um, that would be a media composer. You might know him as a composer of a little movie called Killer Clowns from Outer Space. That would be John Massari. How's it going, John? It is going very well, and thank you for having me. It's indeed a great honor to be here. No, thank you so much. The honor is all ours. Um, I've always been really impressed how accessible you have. Make yourself to the horror community and now the HHN and theme park community in general. From the beginning, did you decide to have uh, an open dialogue with your fans, or, or did that just kind of evolve over time? Well, it, you know what? It did involve over time. Uh, it happened. It all started. It all started back in 2015, Ooh. years ago. Ooh. Back when, back when there was there was no TikTok. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> so uh, so what happened is that I was um, I was at the Third Street Promenade in Santa Monica, California, enjoying a coffee out on the promenade, and I got a call from a number that looked very familiar. It happened to be the Kyoto Brothers Studio, 
and it was one of their producers and they said hi do you want to come to the thing this weekend i go that sounds incredible what thing oh <laughs> you, you see what we're gonna we're gonna meet up with fans and you can bring stuff to sell and sign i go you know what you're really losing me uh, okay you having a garage sale what's going on uh and so basically she it took about 15 minutes for her to finally realize i didn't know what the hell she was talking about which was monster palooza <laughs> which is a pretty big um um uh, uh, convention out here mm -hmm. and i remember it as something else years ago so i had been out completely out of the whole loop all of these years uh i'm i've been ba basically concentrating on doing commercials working in television and also doing other movies and stuff like that had not had a clue that there was a fan base that the Kyoto brothers would basically uh, go on tour to various conventions, uh, you know, selling uh, merchandise and stuff like that. And uh, so I was at the table with uh, Suzanne Snyder and the Kyoto brothers and the Dickies played uh, one of the evenings after the convention was over. Really oh, wow. an awesome experience. And I realized, wow, there are all these people that know more about my music and this movie than I do. You know, I had to reacquaint myself with it. I mean, I've always had, Killer Clans has always had a very special place in my heart. I did not realize, I knew there was a fandom and I knew people watched it on cable because I get, you know, I, I get uh, um, <laughs> uh, statements and things like that. I had no idea that there was people had tattoos of scenes from the movie you know and i met people for the very first time that when they found out who i was they were just really happy to meet me so i figured you know they've all these years they've been so loyal to the film the least i could do is be you know very loyal to them in return uh because ever since i was a little kid my my purpose for making music is to create a, an experience for myself and to share share with others and you know the fact that they have connected that much with not only the movie but the music that i created with um i i feel like i've all of a sudden over the past few years inherited a bunch of nieces and nephews and you know friends uh that uh, understand this movie and appreciate it and i i just I, it was one of the things that inspired me to uh, put on the live-to-film concert we did for the 30th anniversary. We had a, had a sellout. We had a thousand-seat theater that I found out later I should have gotten a, a three-thousand-seat theater because we basically filled it to the rafters. We were only licensed by from MGM to do one performance and. Um, we could have very easily sold out a matinee and um, uh, had an, an additional show. This was 2018. As a matter of fact, it was May. It's coming up. Let me see. What's the date here? The, it's the uh, 7th? Okay, it was the, 8th, the 19th of May in uh, uh, 2018. And it was just, you can find a lot of, I have it archived on video, but I, I, can only, I can't really show any of it. Uh, but you'll see fans that were there that took video off their cell phones. It was quite an evening. And so uh, one of the things I said uh, after the concert, I made an announcement. Oh, by the way, the Kyoto brothers were there. Peter Lacasse was there. He was one of the Terenzi brothers. Both Suzanne Snyder and Grant Kramer were there. Um, 
we had a video of um, Michael Siegel, who was the other Terenzi brother. Spain at the time. He did a video uh, shout out with us. And after the concert was over, everyone was like hanging on every word because they were expecting a big, big, huge announcement. And one of my producers say, you should just, just go out and say you're going to be doing a sequel. It'll, it'll be out in two years. And I go, I cannot do that. He says, why? Because MGM executives are in the audience and they're not going to like that. <laughs> you know, just because you want it and I want it doesn't mean that is how it's going to happen. It's going to happen on their terms. So, um, and, you know, it, it was, there was a lot of, it was interesting because when I came up with the concept of doing a live concert, um, with a whole with a whole show. I mean, I wanted to do a whole day event where we had like a started at twelve noon, where we had like a circus on the roof because this particular theater had a rooftop uh, venue, wow. and it had it had has had three levels. We were going to do um, a, a recreation skit of most of the movie, <laughs> but we only <laughs> ended up doing one, and. Uh, you know, I got a slap on the back of my wrist for that. You know, it's just, you listen, no, it's going to be this. You have to do it this way. I go, okay, we, so we had to cancel certain things. Okay, we're, we'll rework the show. And, um, but anyways, afterwards, I made an announcement to people. I said, the reason why we are here is because of all of you. If it wasn't for you, this, these are the fans in the audience, uh, we, we wouldn't be here. Uh, with this concert we wouldn't be celebrating it like this you all made this happen and uh, over the years just like uh the names of all the clowns that funko pop are, are are releasing those names came from the fans i mean in the, the original script there was the clowns really didn't have names they just had personalities that basically evolved and i think there's personalities that uh people especially shorty people identify so much with shorty I think oh absolutely that's, that's mm. one of the clowns that you you see people that will dress like and you know i'm sure like a qualified psychologist could probably analyze that and i will give you my uh my armchair psychologist <laughs> analysis of it shorty represents a disenfranchised um uh person that you know uh, maybe feels that they've been passed over or looked over and they've been picked on one too many times and they've been put in a corner and they're going to come out swinging and you know that's their that's their hero that's uh, so to speak that's that's probably one way of looking at it and by the way shorty could be female clown or a young girl clown we don't know that mm -hmm. right but uh but still it's uh you know so don't mess with shorty you know shorty may be small and unassuming but you know he Shorty can pack a punch when when the time comes. So oh, definitely. Um, so, anyways, you asked me a simple question, and I know it's gone <laughs> into this long diatribe, but uh, basically, I felt I felt that I was kind of leaving. I, 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 there was a whole <clears throat> audience of people that appreciated a certain aspect of the film, which was the music that I wasn't able to communicate with them because I actually kind of didn't know they were there. And so I'm kind of making up for <laughs> making up for lost time, so to speak. I mean, I wish I discovered this much sooner. Mm -hmm. But uh, had I not gotten that call, I don't know if I would have put on this concert. To be quite honest with you, 
Wow. So kind of like a uh, massive change uh, happened for the entire Killer Clowns community all from one call. Yeah. I, I Well, maybe. I mean, well, with respect to me coming out and communicating with people about the music. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. It was, I, I was really unaware of it. I mean, I, maybe I would have found out in another way another way but i mm-hmm. think th- that particular uh, convention it was like the 25th anniversary and it was at that time i thought you know it's really cool to put on a concert for the 30th you know i was trying to putting on, i was trying to put it on in a couple of years and you know I, I working with really incredible professionals uh i realized that no something like this takes a while to plan out and you know if you're going to do everything by the by the book, you know, and have it done right, and which was what we did, uh, because I, I was also thinking of doing a live concert based on another project I did, and the uh, the contractor, his name was uh, Noah Gladstone, who he, if you guys should be familiar with him, he he will uh, be the contractor for all the musicians <clears throat> for performances like. Uh, like when Riot Games do, does a, a huge uh, gaming event, like at a big arena, mm. and there'll be like a massive orchestra, you know, he's the one that's going to contract that. So he was hmm. my contractor for this concert. And everyone that, basically, practically everyone that played in my orchestra had played on the last Star Wars movie. You know, they were, they were just like just high level people. And because uh, if it was going to be done, done it all it's got to be done right and the all the guys that did all the technical stuff uh that was uh alex levy that he prepared the because when you <clears throat> when you when orchestrating the music is one thing and performing it like a concert is one thing having musicians perform in synchronization with the film total different ball game there's like a whole crew of people that make that happen so that was alex levy and he's a music editor and uh like assistant, uh, not assistant, I shouldn't say assistant. He's like music producer for uh, Michael Cicchino. So, and he yeah. does tons of live performances. Like, I think he helps set up like the whole Harry Potter thing. He has a hand in, if not the Harry Potter, the performances like that, big venues. Mm-hmm. And so he was, he had that all set up so that uh, when I'm looking at my score, the written score, and there's a little screen next to me that gives me like these pops and clicks. No, I should say pops and click pops <laughs> and streamers. Uh, and a pop is like a flash of light that will signal when the next piece of music come in. There'll be like an update next cue in 48 seconds and stuff like that. That will, huh. And the orchestra also sees this too. They go, there's going to be 48. You, get, you got a minute and a half break till the next piece of music. So they can put their music, uh, get the right music together. And all that was just, it was just, I felt like I was stacking the cards in my favor because when we had our rehearsal, uh, the very, very first rehearsal, I I told the orchestra, listen, let's go to this particular cue. If we can get through this cue, the rest of the movie is a piece of cake. It was like one of the tougher, longer cues that goes on for like seven minutes, right? Mm. And it's like, they just blasted through it like they played it before. And I thought to myself, oh, wait a minute, hold on a second. They had their parts. All the musicians had their parts in a PDF that plays 
um, they go to a site where the cop music copyist provides the music part for like the say the flautist could like look at their part, hear the MP3 of the synth demo, and like play along just to like, familiarize themselves with the thing. So hmm. most of the orchestra had done that. They'd gone through and fingered through and like made little notes to themselves and what have you. And they just like blasted through it. Now, here's what's really funny is that the, the uh, I kept getting calls before the first rehearsal, like probably two calls a day for three days from uh, uh, Leonard Phillips. Uh, he's the leader of the founder and leader of the Dickies trying to like <clears throat> visualize how this is going to work. You know, and I says, mm -hmm. I says, it's very simple. You, we haven't done anything to your song. We're going to play along with you. You don't have to change keys. You don't have to move faster. I'm going to give, I've already talked to the drummer that was uh, Adam Gomez. I'm going to give you a, a certain kind of count, and he's going to count you in, and you just play your song. There's nothing else you do. We'll play along with you. And the first time, I and I have video some of the first time they went through it and played it. It was just so much fun. It was like they had been playing it. The, band, the orchestra and the band had been playing it for years. You know, and mm. the band really loved like the Dickies. They like <laughs> like the, all the members of the Dickies are, are re consummate musicians, and they're also wonderful people. So they everyone was getting along well. It could couldn't have been a better situation. There was I <clears throat> I remember uh, I had producers that would <clears throat> work the house, make sure that people were in the right place. I said, listen, all I want to do is show up and conduct the orchestra. I don't want to have to worry about this. I don't, you know, there's all these <laughs> other details. I don't want to have to worry about that. You know, don't be, don't be asking, asking me, you know, what color drapes I want, you know, just, I need to show up just to, and I was so lucky. That's what, that's, that's what I got. Sounds like amazing experience. Yeah. The Sabrina Hutchison, she's a, a, a PR person and she also produces shows. Um, she ran all of that. She made all that happen. Everything like butter. It was, you know, uh, the only thing if I can, if I uh, can, if I had any regrets about that night is that I didn't go out into the audience after the concert soon enough. Oh, yeah. Backstage after everything was closed and I got accosted by like four or five of my friends that uh, that are, you know, in the business. And they were all just like, okay, when are you going to do this again? I, I don't know, you know. But we were having a lot of fun. And my kids came backstage, and so we had a, had a little mini party. But I understand that for like uh, an hour, people were out front. And they had to be, had to be ushered out because they had to close down the theater after two hours. So anyway, so that was it. So you're asking about the fans. So, uh, you know, when I found out the fan, you know, between the time I discovered the fans and so the time I did the concert, and then right after that, uh, later in 2018, was the scare zone, and I, I thought to myself, I just got to go to that. I just got to go to that. Mm -hmm. and, you know, I, after seeing the YouTube videos of the scare zone at uh, Universal Orlando, I'm going, geez, they're not even, they're not only playing the music from the original score, they're playing my new score. I, I got to go down there. I just wanted to go down there to hang out, to experience it. I didn't, you know, and I just, I met so many and wonderful, incredible people that I'm friends with, and uh, it's been absolutely wonderful. Uh, it's it's one of the most fun things in my career. People ask me, "What's the most fun career?" Well, rediscovering 
the killer clowns from outer space and all the people that love it is one of the one of the most fun parts of my career and then you were saying that you didn't actually uh decide to go check out the scare zone until you had already watched youtube videos of that um so did you not have any kind of creative process in how they use the music oh no no none of that no i didn't have anything to do with that because you have to understand that the, the uh doing the movie it was i was hired on as a composer uh um it's not like i created music that they licensed from me i created music for a product right. so uh you know it, it it was originally with a company called transworld entertainment and it went to to a bunch of different companies that was it was owned by universal for the longest and Universal, I believe, I don't know how it worked, but it went from Universal to MGM around 1999. And um, so, uh, you know, basically what it is, they, they just, they just, they acquire the rights through the people who own the rights to the music. I mean, I have, I have rights to the soundtrack, the master use rights to rights. Excuse me. I have uh, master rights used for my reimagined soundtrack, mm -hmm. but I still, if I want to use it in a film, I have to get permission from all the powers that be, the publishing aspect of of that property. But I don't have to buy my own master recording because it's my master. But the content that's on that master recording also has an interest with another party. So, so they they dealt with all that, the, uh, you know, how they were going to use it and all that. And that was under Michael Aiello uh, mm -hmm. originally, uh, and still, and so was the uh, the house the year after. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have any uh, say so in it, and I basically huh. discovered it kind of by 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 accident. Uh, in addition, you know, even the Care Brothers didn't know anything about it. Really? <clears throat> so, so uh, the Care Brothers says we're just going to go out there for the opening night, and I, I went oh, about a week later because I was working on some project. I think about two weeks later, and I just had a, a complete blast. I just wanted to go there to see it. I didn't want to like be in, have anything stop because I was there. The same thing with the Care Brothers; they just wanted to be part of it, and so that was so much fun. That was so much fun to do. It sounds really fun. It sounds yeah. like it was a blast. Yeah, it was. I mean, if you see all that video, there's so much video. I mean, there's one video of the of the scare zone. It has millions of views. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. it, yeah. It was such an amazing scare zone. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I think if I get me, if I my impression of the scare zone when I went there the first time. We had to go through a few scare zones before we got to Killer Clowns. And I thought, <laughs> oh, this is just like people, it's like it, they pass through it. You like look at it and it scares you or anything and you, you usher yourself off. It, my theory, the scare zone, was to scare people into not standing still so that they would go inside a restaurant or inside a gift shop. I got to get out of here. <laughs> I got to get away from it. It's too scary and go in and buy something. Um, that was my first impression. And but when I went to the Killer Clown Scare Zone, people bought their food and hung out at the Scare Zone. It was like a like a party. Some people said, well, "We'll just come here and hang out for an hour." I met um, 
uh, a couple that they brought their daughter there because their daughter just loved seeing the clowns and the, the lights and dancing. You know, it was like, and they live in the area. They have, I guess they have a year pass or something like that. Mm. And um, mm. so, yeah, I, all I wanted to do was experience it. And I got to, you know, I got to meet all the, the creatives. Um, that was really, that was really awesome. Blake Braswell and, and uh, Michael Aiello and, and a variety of different groups that hang out there every night. Um, so it was really awesome just to, just to sit there and hang out with everyone. And then we had a meetup afterwards. I think we had like two meetups. There was a meetup at uh, Spooky. Uh, no, no. Spooky Empire? Yeah, Spooky Empire. There was, I had a meetup there. Uh, a bunch of people said, are you going to be a Spooky? Yeah, I'll go to Spooky Empire. And so I... Uh, had a meet and greet, uh, you know, unofficial meet and greet, you know, just like people. I said, I'm going to be there. If you're there, come up, say hi to me. And I met a bunch of people. And then I had an organized meet and greet at a, at a Starbucks. You know, we had a bunch of people just hanging around and talking, you know, kind of like a family coffee sort of thing. <laughs> so um, that's how that all went. And then before we get further into Killer Clown's yeah, impact sure. on Horror Nights, I'm going to bring it back to the film a little bit. And I'm going to preface this by saying this isn't me just trying to get on your good side. But as far as like campy horror films go, uh, Killer Clowns is probably my favorite ever. Um, did you have any kind of relationship with like horror or campy films growing up? Uh, that's a very good question. Yeah, campy films. I love campy films uh, because before I saw Killer Clowns from Outer Space, I'd seen, I don't know if you call it campy. Maybe it is campy. I'd, saw, I'd seen a movie directed by Danny Elfman's older brother. Uh, Richard Elfman. It was called The Forbidden Zone. I remember seeing it at the uh, Venice Film Festival. I thought, wow, that's the kind of movie I want to do. Something that's so bizarre that you have to see it again. <laughs> because you want to re-experience it. And, um, and that's how I felt with uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. You know, I felt, this is the kind of movie I've always wanted to do. You know, one of my, another favorite movie of mine was The 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with that film, but like I saw that mm -hmm. as a kid. Yep, it was me. on television. I saw it on television. I saw it on a black and white television when I was a kid. <laughs> and then I saw it at my grandma's house. I think it was on the the million dollar theater where they would show movies like five or six times in a like once a day for like two weeks. Uh, and uh, I saw it at my grandma's house because she had this big Philips color TV, which is mesmerized by it. And, uh, I later, when it was re-released uh, in theaters, I got to see it, and I guess you can call that a campy movie, a bizarre movie, something just completely imaginative, and that's what Killer Clowns had. It was like completely, uh, you know, imagination run wild, you know. Kyoto Brothers, their upbringing was such that, you know, they weren't going to just do a walk and talk dramedy. You know what I mean? They want to do something that's good, like, you know, someone that, like, as you're flipping channels, just about any scene of that movie, you're going to, like, wait a minute, let me flip back to that. What was that? Well, that's amazing, you know? And now that it's on Netflix and playing like crazy, I just, I hope they keep it for a while because people have been, on social media, I've been seeing people just always posting that they're just watching it. It's kind of a, a stress reliever. So that's mm -hmm. that's my experience with campy movies. Had I ever done any campy movies before Killer Clowns from Outer Space? Uh-uh. 
And um, one thing I was doing, I was doing, uh, oh gosh, what's, what's, uh, I was, if you look at my IMDb, I was doing Little House on the Prairie. There was all kinds of TV series that I was doing additional music for. A lot of stuff for Disney. As a matter of fact, just before Killer Clowns from Outer Space, I did the Wonderful World Disney theme. Mm. Many, oh, many yeah. permutations wow. of it. So I, I did one of them, and um, I mean it was, and it was quite almost quite by accident that I got to know the Kyoto, uh, because I had uh, a roommate who basically found an ad for someone that needed music for his movie trailer. Back then, people did movie trailers of their movie that was about to be produced. In other words, they did like a short version of their movie so that they can raise the financing to do the whole feature, right? Mm-hmm. So that was, that was a thing back then, you know? I mean, it still is now, basically. I mean, you can do that. People do that to fund Indiegogo camp. But um, so there was a guy back. His name was Eric Young. Uh, he was uh, he had done this movie in. D, Washington DC and you know I sent my tape in the mail <laughs> with my resume and um he he called me back he liked what he heard and I did his uh, his trailer we became friends and he called me one day says you know I I work with a couple of people let me refer you to them uh they're brothers they do special effects they're working on this really crazy movie and i go well that's fine yeah you may not want to do it it has a weird title i go what's that he said something like invading clowns from space <laughs> you know killer clowns invade earth or something and i go okay i'm liking that i'm liking that yeah and it's a you know it's obviously a comedy but it's also a horror movie and it's also science fiction and i go okay this is a dream come true so i got a call <laughs> from steve kyoto and he you know, I had an audition. He's hands off. I'm hands off with the audition. It's like we have to all agree that we like it. Uh, you know, before we we not, we're not going to play favorites or anything like that. I go, that's that's okay. So you know, there's a bunch of people that showed up at a uh, a screening of the movie, and I was just completely mesmerized because I think the the Killer Clowns theme song by the Dickies was put in the movie. And by the way, the the Leonard Phillips, who wrote the song, never saw the movie, just heard the title. And that's what he wrote the song on. So wow. I, thought that, I thought that was a really cool song. And uh, then the rest of the movie just had dialogue, hardly any sound effects. And it was actually super creepy and bizarre. With, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And I just said, I, I, I just got to see this movie. I mean, I just have to work on this movie. So I, I picked a scene that had that hit all the bases. What I auditioned with was where Mike and Debbie come into this, come into the circus tent. There's a chase inside the circus tent, and then they go out and they escape, and the clowns march on the on the town. Right there, that's like the cornerstone. You know that defines the entire movie, basically, right there. So, uh, and it goes through so many uh, transitions that. Um, you know, and then I can establish the main Killer Clown March theme, which is what I wanted to do, and uh, that's so that's what got me. That's what got me the gig. Awesome! It's funny you brought that part up because I I did want to mention uh, that scene where the clowns march into the town and the way uh, yeah. that song ties into that scene and makes it work so well. It's just it it's amazing. Well, that song was written a long time before the movie, before I had ever seen the movie. 
uh, I was playing in a band in high school and we thought, you know, okay, we're playing Led Zeppelin, we're playing, um, uh, you know, Kiss, we're playing uh, Blue Oyster Cult and all that kind of stuff. Let's, let's do our own music. And so I started, I came up with that theme and my band thought it sounded too jazzy. <laughs> and so I, when I saw the Killer Clowns, I go, I'm pulling out that thing I did for my band, Crisis. That's gonna, that's that'll work perfect here. So, mm -hmm. It really did. Oh, absolutely. Crisis is a good band name. I think so, but it, it was yeah. it was spelled boring. <laughs> it was spelled like just regular Crisis. It should have had a K and a Y. A y and a, oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Maybe <it's Yeah>. a, <laughs> somehow work an X and a Z in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> this was before like bands like Lacuna Coil and you know real metal started coming out. <laughs> well, I have to be honest with you, John. We had about a list of like five or six questions we were going to ask you, and you were uh, able to answer all of them without us asking you. So, <laughs> <laughs> You want to ask them in hindsight? <laughs> no, no, you, you oh, covered it. Facto? Yeah, okay. No, yeah, that was, that was amazing. Um, yeah. So let's hop right into the how dissection then um the house was obviously killer clowns from outer space the year was 2019 the location was the shrek theater the first year that location has ever been used was 2015 um and then the notable houses that's been in that space is like krampus uh halloween four um we like to kind of talk about the popularity the wait times the overall re uh, reception throughout the event um this one was definitely a cult favorite mm -hmm um it, it did have um mixed receptions with s some um but it was definitely a, a, a huge favorite uh jonathan i know is your favorite house right yes it is it is my absolute favorite house of hhn 29. um and then ads tv spots social media integration um the clowns honestly were used um by universal and Oh, many print ads and billboards posters they were pretty much integrated into the entire event almost mm -hmm. used as kind of like a an icon um one of our favorite parts of hhn um 29 overall was a marathon of mayhem and it was integrated in there uh john were you able to see the lagoon show marathon of mayhem oh yes i was and let me tell you i oh, weeks before i had seen the high definition video that was i believe on youtube or it was uh, or there was there was a teaser on like one of the um universal sites and i i was blown away by that but then seeing it in person being surrounded by it it was yeah boy the, the amount of work that went into that that creativity and craftsmanship and tech uh technological genius that went into that is was just amazing yeah absolutely probably my favorite nighttime spectacular in a theme park probably ever it was it's amazing what the group they were able to put Ooh, in oh wow yeah, yeah. I, I agree, agree with that yeah I mean, and we're uh, probably biased as we're huge we're horror yeah we're huge horror and, uh, horror night nerds but it is but up absolutely. there for me it's it's really far up there so uh you know I, I, there's so much potential in that i was thinking you know how awesome would it be for let's say uh, they pick a series of movies that they can do abbreviated like five minute versions of a movie but do it in that presentation you know where you, you know the backdrop is the the uh the the water mist and you could see whatever favorite movie like 
highlights from it or something like that. Um, oh, absolutely. That would be yeah. amazing. Yeah. Well, if you want to call up Andy Garfield and uh, pitch that to him, uh, I'm sure he would appreciate that. That was the guy who uh, he's he's big into theme parks and themed entertainment. And he's the guy who did uh, Marathon of Mayhem. Yeah. And um, well, speaking of which, uh, is it to you? I, I, you know, I don't, you guys are looped into this more than I am. Is there, uh, and they were building something at uh, Universal when I was there. And it's supposed to be some, I don't want to say a theme park, but an area of the park that has lots of live entertainment. Have you heard about that? Nico, do you know what he's referring to? At, at the actual Universal Studios Park or at the whole resort in general? Hmm, maybe it's at the whole resort. I don't know, but it's it was something that's under that was under construction that well, someone pointed out to me, and for, though, that's that's where all the concerts are going to be and stuff. That's that was there. Um, that's what was. That's why I heard. You know, someone, and I don't even know who that is. I mean, it was it wasn't like a universal person told me that. It was like someone I was having a conversation with, and hmm. um, oh. And, there's going to be a there's going to be a some sort of live entertainment thing. Very interesting. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, that's all. I, I I just re, I just happen to remember that. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'll have to do some digging for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, also we like to also talk about like the merch they released for the particular house. Um, uh, this one the, they had tons of it. So shirt, masks, glasses, um, you name it, they had it. Killer clowns. Uh, John, did you purchase any of the merch? um can i can i uh is this time for is this time for uh for intimate reveals absolutely <laughs> absolutely okay. it always well, is. i did buy a whole bunch of the candy bars oh, oh yes cool. yeah i have not eaten the candy bars though <laughs> <laughs> um i did do a taste test on video i haven't released it yet i mean barely was able to shoot it um uh it was super easy barely an inconvenience um you get probably get that i reference. get that yes okay <laughs> so so, uh, so um uh are you familiar you're familiar with uh james and chelsea dead meat james yes and and myself and and a friend of mine her name is uh colleen um uh, colleen miller excuse me colleen miller well I'm and for you. um we did we did a taste test of it mm -hmm. and uh you know to, to kind of describe what it tastes like so i did get that i did i got a bunch of that um i did get some pins that i gave i bought a bunch of pins and i gave them away and i also gave them as like incentives like you know when you buy my cd i'll give a, you know this pin comes with it you know oh that's cool um and uh, i think i did buy some shorties that Universal made, which are very different than the Funko Pops, yep. but really equally as cool. Um, I did get some of those and gave them away as gifts. And I have a bunch of them under in, here in my studio that I don't know what I'm going to do with them at some point, give them, give them away as gifts or something like that, or or I, what I wanted to do. Okay. And if I know I'm going to tell, I'm going to say this, and then someone's going to do it, right? All I'm saying, if someone goes and do, does it, let, let me let me edit the music in for you. Um, <laughs> I want to get the Funko Pops and the other characters and do like little recreations of the movie, but with stop motion animation using the <laughs> Funko Pops. Uh, but I don't have that skill. 
I don't have, even though I've worked on tons of, there's a movie I worked on called The Wizard of Speed and Time that has some of the most brilliant, uh, you know, uh, non-CGI stop motion in it. Uh, and I know those techniques. I just don't have two lifetimes to do it in. Uh, <laughs> I think we need to branch yeah. into YouTube and definitely yeah. that needs to be our, our first video. We need to. Yeah. Nico, yeah. you got that written yeah. down? All right. Got that written <laughs> so, down. Okay. That's, so, okay. That's added so, to the list. <laughs> so we're going, we're going to the merch here in uh, Hollywood. Um, about like every, every other week, I would hang out. I would just announce that afternoon. I'll see you guys. I'm going to be at the, uh, I'm going to be at the entrance of the scare zone that we had, not scare zone, excuse me, the house that we had here and just to meet and greet with people, just talk to people. And uh, friends of mine would come with me. So we would just hang out and talk and then people would come up to me. I would, I, I, I gave out little, um, little mini posters and stuff like that. And then one day, uh, one of the supervisors, approached me oh, no. i've noticed you've been here greeting with fans and things like that and i go uh, yes i have and um <laughs> and i thought oh gosh because i'm giving away these little cards maybe there's like that's like a, a no-no it's like you wouldn't go to a denny's and and order pizza from another restaurant and have it delivered <laughs> there, right uh, you know there's actual laws that's a, that's a actual um, okay. vendor law you know that you that's 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 you can get a serious fine for that mm-hmm. and they go no no this is great if you want your anytime you and your friends want to go into the house we'll, we'll let you guys in, in. Uh, you know i go oh that's wonderful and then uh so and and i go so i'm okay here she said, oh no you're fantastic this is great we're, we're at capacity. And so uh, that was kind of cool. And so then the, you know, and then I, they invited me to um, meet with the, um, the cast before they went on, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, that was a lot of fun. I got to address them and congratulate them for their hard work. Cause it's not easy doing that. And I said, you know, the fact, let me tell you, you this, I'm, I feel like I'm in the, in, in the presence of, of very brave people for you to have to listen to my music over and over <laughs> and over again each every night for all these weeks you've got you you've got a a a, a uh, you have iron ears you know and uh so uh apparently they they're not offended by hearing the music over and over again because it means they have a job <laughs> so um uh and then uh i went uh now going back to merch right i've mm-hmm. i do have uh, a number of the original t-shirts that they sold that um you know that sometimes i wear for interviews and things like that i would love it i'd love to get a really cool motorcycle jacket that has uh killer clown stuff on oh, that would be amazing oh that'd, that'd be perfect I might, yeah i might i might have to get someone to do it for me but um so I was at the at the shop once buying, you know, loading up on candy bars because uh, they sell out pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And there was someone there that had bought something. And I just I was in line with them. I says, you know, if you want me to sign that thing, I can sign it over here. It was like it was like a little poster. And they go, oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Can you don't mind doing that? Yeah. I, so I signed it. And then someone else asked me and then someone else. So I was in the back for two hours signing stuff. <laughs> Oh, and, wow. uh, so, the, so the manager of the gift shop says i says i gotta tell you we're out of we're out of inventory of all of all these <laughs> types of things i was signing people's glasses you know they have you know like tumblers and all that sort of stuff 
And so I was refining all that stuff. I mean, we're, comp we're, we're sold out, you know, and we still have two more hours to go before the park closes. So that was kind of fun. So there, that's my, uh, that's my merch. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's a great story. <laughs> merch there. Now, that's did I get a cut of any of it? Of course not. And then I was later, I was, you know, when I was at, uh, when I was in, uh, uh, this was really great. Uh, when I, was at universal and they found i was going to be there the company that uh prepares and creates all the merch they invited me to the creative people the people that actually put together like the little shorty the pin the posters Whoa. all all the designs that were made uh the people that were uh, uh help, help design some of the key figures like the uh the, the clownzilla and all that I got to meet them. It was like, there's this like conference room. I went in and I was like talking to other creative people and everyone went around and talked about their, you know, uh, their background, how they got to where they were. And I was like the guest speaker, you know, it was really a great honor uh, to be there. That was at, uh, at universal Orlando's creative headquarters where they make everything. That was really awesome to be invited to that. Wow. Oh, wow. That, that sounds like a crazy experience yeah it was i have there's some pictures on my instagram uh with me with the uh with the uh i guess they're i guess they're called cast members i don't think so i think that's team what members. they do at disney team members yeah. yeah team members there you go disney team. disney is cast members yeah right. yeah all right uh of which next... of which oh, go, ahead. go ahead go <laughs> ahead <laughs> <laughs> we won't tell it's okay it's okay it's okay some yeah. of us are used to be our are also. Oh, good. And yeah, we, we don't we don't talk about it usually. <laughs> However, that's for well, the other. Uh, well, I have. I, it's funny. One time, I thought it would be really funny to. Uh, I was at here in Burbank. I took a picture of myself in front of Team Disney, mm. and um, a selfie. I said, you know, when you get called to the head office, you either did something very good or something very bad. <laughs> and they made me take that down. <laughs> <laughs> so can you take that down? That's not right. Okay. I'll... Daddy Iger doesn't like this. <laughs> Actually, he probably would have liked it. Yeah. Oh, it was good. As he rubs his card again. <laughs> All right. Um, so we like to go over the pre-event history before the house. Um, Killer Flat, obviously, Killer Clowns from Outer Space was used prior the prior as a very popular scare zone at HHN 28, which uh, immediately started speculation and rumors that a house was coming in the near future. Um, and then on July 25th, 2019, Universal put out a pre press release um, along with a teaser video that said, there's a reason why people are afraid of clowns, and it had the flying popcorn, pies, uh -huh. balloon right. animals, um, and it ends with Shorty basically throwing a pie right at the camera. Right. And that's how we knew Killer Clowns was official. It was coming this year um, to both um, Hollywood and Orlando. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So you want to so, know, so know yeah. what I know about that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What I well, I could just tell you, uh, the creative director out here, John Murdy, very brilliant guy. Um, you know, they, they don't. Nothing happens by accident. <laughs> you know, so uh, here, people from they're, they're from a certain parking lot, you can look down at a certain street and see, like, 
the killer clown tent that they mm-hmm. were making mm-hmm. and uh and th- that was purposely left you know i can say this now it was purposely left exposed so people would spread rumors that there's got to be a killer to clown's house oh it doesn't kind of build up to that um and i gotta tell you uh, let me let me give credit to, let, let, let me give some props out to the kyoto brothers uh because the, it, it's from their mind that all this all this imagery came from Absolutely. and uh they were so uh, you know it's funny when we when we were all together at the red carpet event they were just like little kids you know the uh, junior high school guys that you you could see the little boys the creative little boys in them that that creative spirit come out at them they were just so thrilled mm-hmm. and so happy to see something that they put so much work and passion into initially years and years ago is like really coming up coming to um uh great attention you know and uh they they also appreciate all this all this uh, manifestation of the killer clown brand i can't even imagine how surreal that must be you know like you said at the red carpet event and then uh, for such a fandom to come from it and it to be recreated as mm-hmm. houses and mazes uh yeah i i and, honestly can't fathom what that would feel like to have something and have it be mind. part of american culture mm-hmm. you know right uh you know as something that's very particular in america uh you know uh, you know with america uh american cinema um you know it, it's very uh very unique and does it feel surreal to me you know i i don't know i since i created it i helped in the creation of the music aspect mm-hmm. of the film mm-hmm. um and i've lived with it all these years and uh having having like i said you know i have feel like i have an extended family i can't say it feels surreal i just i just feel very grateful i'm very mm-hmm. very very happy to point to it and it's so uh, i mean i'll let you in on a little secret my daughters who were ones uh my eldest is 20 and 17 they had never ever ever seen killer clowns from outer space until uh two and a half years ago like six months wow. before my concert well wow. yeah they said dad we want to they made an announcement dad we want to see killer clowns from outer space and i go <laughs> really okay <laughs> I mean, it's not a pre—it's not a prerequisite of the family of the Masari sisters to have seen Killer Clowns. I mean, they've seen other movies I worked on. Uh, there was a movie I did that never got released called Veritas Prince of Truth, which is a, actually it would have been a great movie to uh, release. I, there's some movies, and and anyone, any one of you in your audience, if you if you're planning on getting into the movie industry, there are movies that have existed that will never ever ever see the light of day except for those people that worked on it mm-hmm. for whatever reason some movies just can't get released legally i mean you can bootleg them for sure but <laughs> i worked on this movie that was so much fun it was about a um, a comic book character that comes into you may actually is a very is very biblical in its story model this uh, a a comic book hero has to come to life because there's only one fan that truly believes and that fan has to come back with him into the comic book world to fight this particular foe. And my kids had seen that, 
probably a hundred times because I had, you know, after I finished it, I got a video and they just couldn't stop watching it. They just loved it. And, but Killer Clowns from Outer Space, never seen it until about just about six months before my live concert. And uh, I didn't really watch it with them because I had just gotten a new uh, bass guitar and I was kind of breaking it in. And uh, I was off in the corner somewhere in the, in the room and they were just looking. I thought they would be bored after five seconds. They were so completely thrilled with it. He said, Dad, this is so bizarre. I can't believe you did this movie. And and I and and they even said, I can't believe, you know, and they were there with their friends. They go, I can't believe that we haven't seen this movie yet. This is so bizarre. And so um, you know, now that it's on Netflix, they keep saying, Oh, dad, I just want to let you know. All our friends keep saying they keep watching Kill the Clowns on Netflix. I go, oh, that's great. That's fantastic. But anyways, so um I don't know if I ran off on too much of a tangent for you guys, nope. but yeah, no, that's no. great. Not, Not at, at all. all. It's exactly so, what we're looking for. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and, and no, as far as uh, like the Kyoto brothers, like when they go to big events, they'll bring their kids there and their kids are also older, you know, uh, they're in their twenties, some are in their <laughs> late twenties and it's like a big family affair. You know, they're all, they, they realize that the, their lives are, uh, part of the quality of their lives is owed to, clowns from outer space i think everyone can kind of say that in a way you know absolutely yeah yeah i Especially definitely Jonathan, who has a great story about it <laughs> yeah. but we don't need to go over it again because we we did that in a previous <laughs> yeah. back to it. it is a great story as a kid i definitely remember the vhs uh cover just haunting me in the blockbuster everywhere i went that's all i remember is just seeing that that cover and just being terrified of it that's, that's my experience as a child of, of killer clowns. All right. So let's get into the actual house breakdown then. Okay. Um, the fun stuff. Before you even get into the queue itself, uh, you will find the ice cream truck uh, that basically works as a meet and greet uh, where you'd find both Shorty and Slim. Um, it kind of brought you back to uh, HHN 28 and the scare zone we had. It had that kind of fun uh, party vibe to it that everyone just really loved about the scares on the previous year uh going into the actual queue it's the standard uh shrek theater queue uh all the switchbacks um not much else uh of course they do have the video screens uh, where they play old horror nights videos um as you'd always find in the shrek theater queue um there's no real outside or inside facade at the orlando house um so you're just walking straight into the first room where i think we're gonna let jonathan kind of take over a little bit Thank you. Okay, so entering the house, the first thing you encounter is red and yellow sif coming from the ceilings, and you sort of walk through that. And then when you're inside the actual room, um, you get the smell of popcorn, and it's an inviting smell, letting you want to adventure into the house. Um, in the room itself, you see some haystacks, and the entire room was covered in yellow, um, yellow and red tent material to make it look like it was the circus tent from the movie. Um, guests could, and guests could see silhouettes of Jumbo the Clown waving at the farmer, whose voice could be heard in the distance, saying his classic lines like, where's my Pooh Bear? Um, <laughs> and she, I know, it was a wonderful impression. Um, that was an excellent impression. Okay. Thank you. Um, could you do it one more time? Okay. <laughs> With feeling this time. Oh, okay. <laughs> Where's my Pooh Bear? Oh, once again, projecting. There you go. There you go. Good job. I'm not an actor. 
But, Once um, again, with tears in your eyes. <laughs> I got to really get well, tears the first time. I got to believe <laughs> I am the farmer. <laughs> Another shadow that popped up was Shorty, who was throwing punches, and um, you could hear in the background, "What are you gonna do? Knock my block off?" And then, yeah, he does. Man so. who gets block knocked off. <laughs> exactly. And I think this this not really facade. It's the first room, but I, I sort of counted as an inside facade ish for the Shrek Theater, since the Shrek Theater isn't really known for having facades mm -hmm, right um, and i think it's just so inviting and letting the guests know who have no idea what killer clowns from outer space is that this is going to be a fun house it's going to be an enjoyable house um mm -hmm. with the music and the inviting music and the inviting smell and just the fun little shadows on the wall but also these are clowns so they're obviously going to be a little bit scary so it's just setting the overall theme for guests to understand what this property is and what they are about to experience and the music playing in the in this room is the is the shadow show um do you have any uh stories about this song okay well there's there's two there are two that are scenes are kind of co connected um in their concept uh visually and with their music you know you have um there's at the very beginning there's a in a park there's like this uh uh gazebo where uh there's like a punch and judy show going on and there's a certain kind of music going there it's kind of like uh, influenced and inspired by the warner brother cartoons and it's called uh the galactic Go globe theater which appears again toward the end where well i guess i guess three quarters of the way through the movie where there's a um at that bus stop where I think it's slim comes up and does this uh, kind of a shadow puppet show. And so we, we, we bring back that theme uh, that was used at the earlier part of the movie. Um, and that again, develops, uh, you know, into like uh, generic, uh, like monster music and goes through various, a variety of changes because there's a there's a girl doing uh there's a silhouette of a uh a belly dancer and then there's the uh you know with his with these fumbling figure <laughs> fingers <laughs> makes a you know washington crossing the potomac uh you know and so the the music changes with all of that you know mm. and um uh so and then we come to some monster dinosaur music where everyone gets eaten so anyways those two 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 parts are like uh brought together uh thematically and conceptually mm. so it makes sense why the next room we walk into is actually that shadow show we walk mm -hmm. in we walk in room two is we walk into an alley in crescent cove where the first thing guests can see um if you're looking straight at straight out is this giant shadow show happening on the wall on mm -hmm. your left um, on your left, Shorty, um, Shorty pops out um, of his boo hole um, and, and in his little boxing glove and punches a little bit, followed by the audio, what are you going to do, knock my block off? Um, shortly followed by the decapita decapi decapitated corpse of Slug, who's um, um, with his head in a nearby trash can. And on the right, um, you could also see um, a trash can moving back and forth um, with legs dangling out. And that's another little scare because um, it moves and there's a big light and some sound. Um, I think that's just such a clever room to in introduce 
a lot of elements of the movie all sort of at once. Um, it's very compact. And also let us know, oh, this is what this house is going to be. It's going to be silly with the shadow puppet. It's going to be scary with the shorty. Uh, and it's going to be scary with the shorty pop popping out and the garbage can. Awesome. So heading into uh, room three, there is a kind of a transition. And you are scared by Slim the Clown popping out of a boo hole. Ahead of them, guests could uh, start to see like the clown puppet show that John was talking about earlier. And then all of a sudden, Spiky the Clown jumps out from behind of the theater um and then the it sounds like the music cue is um kind of uh knock your block off slash galactic globe theater mm -hmm. mashup that would be uh, and correct then, yeah, yeah and then moving into right. the <laughs> moving on to the next room um after you uh enter the crescent grove police station you'll enter and see officer mooney being used as a triloquy uh, dummy um by jumbo the clown um flashing red and blue lights Going around the uh, right-hand corner, Frank the Clown was found running in through the uh, sliding door. And then to your left, Fats of the Clown is pretending to kind of uh, give the guests like a heart box be um, before popcorn clowns jump out of the box. And in uh, in the doorway, uh, Bimbo the Clown is kind of holding a stack of pizza boxes as Shorty the Clown pops up from inside them. And I think this is one of the rooms where we're... So grateful to have John in this episode because we were trying to figure out the music in the background. And the closest we could come up with is that's the entrance of the march. Um, but John, you actually told us this is a track simply called Officer Mooney, which makes a ton of sense. So we should have caught on to that before. Right. And there's also uh, not not too long after that, there's one called The Inevitable. Which uh -oh. is kind of like um, uh, that was like one scene. When I did the original movie, by the way, when I worked on the movie, I was trying to get the Kyoto Brothers to come to the recording sessions, and it was pretty difficult. And when they heard at the final dub, when they were finally putting everything together, sound effects and dialogue and music, that's the first time that they heard that uh, cue called The Inevitable, which is when all when the clowns have, you know, there's that parade where they're vacuuming people up and turning them into uh, cotton candy. Mm -hmm. uh, cocoons and uh they go oh my goodness that was like the, the toughest scene we forgot uh they they really liked it and because i kind of treated it as if it was like nazi tanks rolling into poland kind of and when we did that in the concert with a live orchestra it even sounds better so i'm sorry i hope i didn't no, uh, no break, your, break, your, break your rhythm there <laughs> no perfect when you talk i i get to nerd out about it so <laughs> yeah. get away can uh, I add something about this room too? Yeah, yeah go ahead, yeah, of course. One of my favorite parts about this room is actually the sound design, where it seems like Mike is knocking on the door, calling for um, calling for Debbie, and that mm -hmm. just, that just induces a sense of fear in the guest itself, saying, "Oh, wait, this is urgent. These clowns are trying to get us now. This, yeah. this isn't fun and games anymore. It's sort of the once you hit Officer Mooney, it's sort of the switch from, oh, this is pretty." silly and fun to oh wait <laughs> they're trying to get us mm -hmm. yeah this is definitely a scene where the tempo starts to change a little bit where i feel like the others you were kind of walking through and it's just kind of fun atmosphere and now it's kind of like oh this is serious absolutely it, it's a very smart change um to amp amp up the house it's very smart to start at light um and then just keep growing and growing and growing until the eventual end and mm -hmm. as you say, it does keep growing as we go into this next little hallway, uh, which is basically pitch black. Um, and you hear the sound of pies being thrown around. 
uh, and you feel this by the air cadence smacking against you, which, as Nico would say, will not happen this year. No. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot Um, of things in this house that won't happen this year. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, And then, as we were talking about before, we thought the last room had the uh, Killer Clown March. Turns out it's in this room. Uh, So you'd start hearing that build up a little bit uh, as you emerge outside of that hallway and see a funhouse. Uh, It's a large facade of a clown's face where you kind of enter through the mouth. Uh, It had the title Crazy House above it. Uh, To your right, you'll find a security guard um, who's been a bit melted, and he's covered in pies with a cherry on the top. Uh, And as you're looking at him, out of the left, uh, Boo Hole pops Bibbo the Clown uh, as, like, the main scare of that room. Perfect. All right, so room six. Now we are officially entering the funhouse. And the first thing that happens to us is that on our right, um, Shorty Shorty the Clown, who is elevated, um, tr- uh, try is a it's a scare and he tries to hit us with his boxing gloves um, and then walking through these tight tight hallways Rudy the Clown then attacks um, next to a clown firefighter pole and I have a tiny little funny story um, revolving this uh, um, is that when I was in the house the first time since my brother was still a little a little scared uh, and I don't know what was happening behind the guest behind us they managed to push me almost inside of across the rope into the pole. And so mm. it's never had to drag me out and um, help me walk me through the house. <laughs> so that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> that happened to us a few times in Universal Monsters, unrelated, but you know, it happens <laughs> to all of us. It does. All right. And uh, moving on, uh, you come up a very long hallway. Uh, this starts with two dropping panels. Uh, they reveal the faces or static faces of Jumbo and Fatso. Um, across from that, there's sliding doors that would reveal a static crinkles the clown. Uh, and then you'd also get a final scare of that area with Slam the clown. Uh, he jumps out at the guests. Uh, further down, you find three guest activated triggers, which were just red buttons. Each of those do make a honking sound. And as John mentioned earlier, uh, the inevitable, the inevitable uh, plays a part in this house in this very room. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, then we're going to lead you into the next room. Uh, it's kind of opening up to uh, the end of the hall. You encountered two ro- um, two rosebud of the clown girls would jump out um, next to the second one. A guest would see a static Daisy, the clown girl with kind of like growing uh, breasts, like a- uh, <laughs> alien boobs, I guess is the best way to put it. <laughs> one of the more interesting things I've seen in a horror night house. <laughs> right. <laughs> a little bit of the uh hhn um hot house uh like we c- like to call it just a little bit it's just a tad of of the sexiness coming into this <laughs> <laughs> just a wee bit just <laughs> all right so now we move on to the next room um and this is a transition hallway and you can find um three more three more red buttons which were all guest activated triggers and each of them that you press spray sprayed the get sprayed the guest with water so what people like to do is to press the button just at the right moment where they are past it so it gets the person behind them, which is always fun. Um, and then this led into an expansive open room where you'd be facing this giant, um, just fantastic clownzilla puppet. You can see the strings attached to him just like the movie, and he was coming right at you. He was roaring. He was completely in motion. It was so breathtaking to watch. Um and you could see the rich Terenzi brother on the side warning us, but also watching it in awe, almost this, just the same way we are, as we're all just so impressed by this massive figure. 
Mm. And the music in it was the final um, confrontation. Which John had to correct me. It's confrontation, not confrontation with a kid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And you know, when I, when I delivered the uh, music cue sheet, they thought, did you spell that wrong? No, I wanted to have it. No, it's a joke. Want to have some it's in fun the spirit here. of the thing. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was that was very impressive. That that clownzilla that was so awesome. I, I'm just really sad that I I didn't uh, win the raffle to take him home. <laughs> the, uh, the raffle? Because I don't know. Did you, did you guys run into that guy at the at outside that uh, was collecting like for no, seventy five dollars? Yeah, for seventy five bucks, he I got a recall. raffle ticket, and he says, you know, this since you know pretty. You just pay seventy five dollars. You get a raffle ticket. I'm going to raffle it off when at the last day, and you'll be able to, you know, to take Clownzilla home. And so, um, you know, so I didn't get it. So I don't know if you mm-hmm. guys did. You guys That's, run into that? Yeah, no, yeah. Never, ne- never saw him. That's strange. He had gold like his. Chain. He had a top hat and he had this like gold <laughs> chain. He was dressed like in a, um, uh, in a tuxedo kind of thing. Mm. So interesting anyway. dress for a yeah. team member. I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But he was like in a corner, like in a shady part, like as you're going down the alley to go uh-huh. to the next attraction. It was like he would like come out of this. He would just only pick certain people, not everyone. You know, oh, so okay. I, I was lucky All enough right. to be one of the people that he came out with, uh, of the shadows. And, and Did he have a curly mustache by chance? So you've seen him. Just kidding. So I, I told right. that I, I told I told that story to Michael Aiello and his jaw dropped. And he goes, who in the world would that have been? He actually thought I did it. So, <laughs> but he he refused to tell me what happened to that clownzilla. I, I you know that would be the coolest thing uh, to have. Oh, I oh, I don't know where I'd put it, but I would love it. Yeah, I know some people that have warehouses. They collect stuff, you know, cars and and th- there's a um, a composer agent. His name is uh, Richard Kraft. And he's he he has uh, a warehouse. I think he auctioned it off to uh, at a a fundraiser. But he actually had like like the original jumbo for the jumbo ride at Disneyland. You know, when they remodeled it, he managed to pick up. And I think he had one. He has you name it. He has it like from Disney Skyway bucket. He had a people move car. Yeah, Yeah, he had a great gallery, I think, two years ago. Oh, is that his? Called like a that's uh, that's from Disneyland. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And I think he auctioned most of it off uh, for a um, uh, for a um, charitable cause. That's amazing. That that is uh, a lot of money he was sitting on there. Oh yeah. So I'm wondering if he has the Clownzilla. (laughs) It sounds like he's a top contender. Yeah. I I think he might have paid more than seventy five dollars. I think so. That's fine. (laughs) Had a few zeros. He, he he can afford he's a club 33 member he can afford it <laughs> and then, before we move on from the clownzilla puppet one quick hot take there were two great puppets last year clownzilla was the better one thank you moving on uh, i don't know about that uh, but... uh, i said moving on <laughs> thank you let me have it <laughs> all, right, all right so after that uh being just struck in awe by the clownzilla puppet you walk underneath him um and you're going to enter another hallway uh you get attacked by crinkles on your left and then on your right is a giant clownzilla head that pops in and out, uh, puppet style, um, mm-hmm. which wasn't always active. Sometimes he was sitting there, sometimes he wasn't there at all. Um, but when he came out and was jumping back and forth, that was a fantastic 
little scared. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, this led to an even longer hallway. This one made of cotton candy. Uh, this, like the rest of the house, used strobe lights, but this room specifically was so heavy. Um, the cotton candy just lit up with the strobe so well. It was such a cool room visually. Uh, and as you're walking through, there's two of the popcorn clowns uh, that jump out from holes in the cotton candy walls. Mm-hmm. Which leads you to kind of the the final room of the house. And like most finale rooms, this one is amazing as well. This gets gets to the kind of iconic. Um, you are now in the spaceship and you're in the cotton candy room. Um, you've got the uh, cotton candies kind of all around you. And then you've got the popcorn making machine. Um, and then also in the room is basically just a bunch of the killer clowns. You got Rudy, you, you got uh, Slam, you got Frank. Um, and then you just kind of continue down with them all scaring you. And then before you're leaving the house, you get one of the kind of that final scare that they love to do. You get one of the brothers, I believe it's Paul, jumps out behind a, a black curtain. That was my absolute favorite scare of the house. It always got me. <laughs> and then, of course, this room uh, had the Dickies killer clowns. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was the new. I think it was the newer recording of the Dickies. Right, I'm the not, remaster. I'm not 100% sure, but it sounded pretty... Um, well, I'm 90% sure it was the newer recording that they created. Well, I won't take the 10% in It never sounded like it. <laughs> that room was just uh, such a perfect finale for the type of house it was for being a mixture of silly and fun with the song playing in the background um, with all and also scary with the multiple amounts of clowns, some static, some not that could just right. pop out any moment and you could not tell which one was real or not. They were all so realistic. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. It's, uh, they do a lot of rooms of that style where uh, you have one or a couple actual scare actors uh, surrounded by static props. Um, mm-hmm. And this one was one of the best at um, actually tricking you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jinx. Um, so, John, I have a question to ask you, and it might be a little controversial. Okay. So you've all right, been... all right. <laughs> so you for it. Not that, it's not that bad. So you've been to both coasts um, regarding uh, this house. Right. Correct? So yes. I'm wondering, what which house did you like better, <laughs> Orlando's or Hollywood's? Oh, I, I have only one definitive question for that, and uh, is that I liked both. That's a good answer. Hey. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I like both. They're they're both very different in different ways. Oh, definitely. And um, I, I just like you know to be able to see the uh, the different takes that people had on it for because I was under the impression that like there is like one um, uh, design and that design is replicated at both. Uh, but I didn't know that it, everyone has their uh, specific uh, creative teams and mm-hmm. they, uh, you know, get to uh, freely express um, their, you know, uh, exercise their creativity. You know, I, I just that's why that's was very refreshing. I mean, because when you think about it, how boring would it be if you were to go to both and oh, they yeah. were exactly the same? You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's incredibly right. boring. And I think that's something most people don't know is that Orlando and Hollywood, even though they share a lot of the properties, um, have completely separate teams working on these who pretty much don't work together at all. So they're completely right. doing their own thing. 
Um, so like you said, if you're traveling to both coasts, you're going to get a different experience, even with the same property. Completely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you can just, there's a lot of pride that goes in it. The people, the people that create it, mm-hmm. you know, just, they have just so much, they have just so much invest creative energy invested in it. You, you can see it. Absolutely. In, in, in their Definitely. work. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It's all right. Horror nights, really. With all the houses, with all the scare zones, just it just screams creativity everywhere you go. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So one thing we like to do with these house dissections is we kind of like to wrap it up with almost kind of like a, re- a review or like we give it a score. Um, and we kind of broke it down into kind of different factors. Um, the first one is going to be the scary scale. And then we like kind of kind of discuss it. Um from a scale of one to 10, um, what do you guys think? How scary was this house? And then, John, before we move on, I must tell you, low score doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Um, okay. You know, maybe this one factor was lower, but that's fine. Um, and even right. if it ends up with all high scores, maybe uh, our final uh, uh, kind of rating will be really low. Um, so these are just kind of individual pieces, how we right. feel about it. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah, how scary do we think this one was? We can have an yeah. open discussion a little bit. Uh, def- definitely on the lower end. Um, yeah, four. four I, maybe. I think maybe a little more for my experience because I I did have from the story I told before I did have that one in one experience with all the clowns, so they mm. all kind of came at me, and there are right. a couple of scares that always that always got me, like the puppet one. For some reason, I knew where he was coming from, but yet he always like jumped out of me in a way that I just freaked out. And that last scene was just in all scenes like that with static figures and and um, scare actors are inherently scary no matter what it is. And I think my favorite, I think one of my the most creative scares is with Officer Mooney in that one little area mm-hmm. where he's in, in his office and he managed. He looked at me straight in the eyes, held his arms out, and literally he was this close. He was so close to touching me, and I jumped back. Yeah. I was not expecting that from him. So I definitely give it, I think I definitely give it a five from my experience. Yeah, okay. this is really going to rely, I would say, on how scary you find clowns. I know some people who find clowns are so scared of clowns. This is really high up for them. It could be a 10 um, for them. It yeah. could be a 10 for them. I would say uh, most people who don't necessarily have um, a phobia of clowns, I would say it's probably a mid-range. Um, it was a kind of... Um, went a little bit more on the fun side than the scary side. But I mean, I'm on the record that a house does not have to be 100% scary. I think fun and mm. immersive really come first. I, I'm not going to go through something if I'm not having fun. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So you, you put down, down the middle four and a half. Yeah, sure. I would, I would say so. Yeah. All right, next one, we have the immersive scale. This one I like to explain is when you were going through it for those few, like I would say like this house is about four to five minutes long. For those four to five minutes long, how well does it transport you from Halloween Horror Nights at a theme park in Orlando or Hollywood to um, the whatever world is trying to paint? So how immersive are you in those minutes? What do you guys think? Pretty high. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm -hmm. It uses a lot of a lot of real cool technology and music. Um, I would definitely put it on the higher end uh, as well. A lot of really seven, cool things. Seven, uh, eight, probably. Yeah, I, I, I think so. What do you think, Jonathan and John? It def- for me, um, I'm sorry. I know I'm going first. Um, 
for me, I think the house in the beginning, even though it had scenes straight out of the movie, the very quick transitions between each scene sort of took me out of it because it didn't feel like I was walking from one area to another. It felt like I was just teleporting from each scene of the movie. But by the time you get to the end and you're in the fun house, it is so cohesive. It is insane the way the uh, the, cre- the creators were able to take the movie's version of the fun house and sort of twist it into their own vision while also staying true to the movie made it so immersive. And there was no area that was that wasn't colorful in a way that made you think I am inside of that, that made you not think I am inside of this fun house. So I absolutely think it is on the high scale because of the ending scenes. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I would say I would put it on the high end. And for this one reason that both places of Hollywood and Orlando, you could, let's say you did not see the movie. And you would say, gosh, this was, this was so bizarre. I, I can't even figure this out yet, but I have to see the movie. And then it would, it would all come to you. You know what I mean? It, then it would all make sense. So, it, and if you already have seen the movie, it's like reliving, you know, portions of the movie. It's like being inside the movie. That's all. Right. That's absolutely. All. Uh, that okay. may sound really obvious. No, but... that, that, that makes <laughs> that's perfect exactly sense. That's exactly what the scale is, though. That's exactly, yeah, that's exactly 100% that makes perfect sense. What you described is a, a high rating for it. Yeah. yeah. Right. Because oh. I would have to say, I don't think it's that immersive. I also never saw it. Killer, I still haven't seen Killer Clowns from. He's yeah, he's coming uh-huh. from a very an interesting perspective where this was actually uh, Nico's very first uh, time at Halloween Horror Nights, so he really doesn't have any um, basis on other houses as well as he's never seen the movie, so he has a very and, and with that we love unique viewpoints because that's kind of what we're looking for. Everyone that comes from a different perspective um, on the show. Yeah, I don't think it was that immersive, you guys, especially compared to what else I saw that evening. No, uh, no, this is the least immersive of them all. But that's just my opinion, because like once again, I probably was not familiar mm-hmm. with the IP as well. It's tough to uh, feel too that. immersed when you don't know the IP. Well, uh, a wise uh, man once said, well, like, that's just your opinion, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So what are we going to go with here? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, let's do like a probably what like I, I think when most of us agreed it was on the the higher end. Let's see what get like a seven a seven and a half. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm Perfect. the outlier. I'm definitely the outlier on this. <laughs> All right, let's uh, so moving on to the fun factor. Uh, this is basically uh, how fun is it? Like when you when you think this is the one more about after you're outside of the house. Do you like, man, I need to go back in that house again. That was so much fun. Um, basically, kind of the re the replayability factor. Um, just how fun is it? How I'm gonna start off by saying Nico's number does not count here because we know it's gonna be very low. So goodbye, Nico. <laughs> yeah, Nico. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just gonna abstain. <laughs> sure. <laughs> great. Um, again, I'd call it right around immersiveness, seven, eight range for me. I agree. Yeah, very, very fun. One one of the the more I mean, all the houses are fun uh, this year. There was really not a terrible house of the bunch um, this year uh, that happens from time to time. There is one kind of stinker. But this year there was not there was not one bad one of the bunch. And um, I know, Duff, you disagree, uh, but um, I think there's one I, bad one in a bunch. <laughs> I, do I don't. I do, too. <laughs> 
what are we uh, uh stranger things is that what we... for me yes correct yeah for me no actually Do you want oh really to... yeah go ahead real quick um honestly i thought us was the worst house us? I... yeah see i like i liked us oh, for Mike's gonna fight you yeah, I really liked for, for what it was to, for transporting you into the movie and making you feel like you're in the movie. Um, I think it did a really good job. I think the thing is, I didn't really enjoy the movie because I'm very analytical. And when you really think into that movie, it doesn't make any sense. Um, but I, I mean, the music score and the and the design, uh, as, you know, especially if the rumors are true that they you had to whip this up sort of at the last minute was unbelievable. But I got really no scares from it and even though you know scares aren't my top priority i walk into a house even killer clowns i got scares this house i went in it twice or three times i've got nothing all my runs and it just sort of ruined the experience for me well i i, lo- I loved red walking around with her scissor you know in a back and forth motion in the living room and in the um facility there underground but i get that was trying to give the creepy vibe but it kind of looked really silly, especially when in the in the underground, there was just a staff member watching her, just like pointing to the guests to move the right direction. So it completely took you out of that experience. Yeah. And which I think they have to do, but in that specific scene, it was supposed to be, you're just focusing on red. It's like, no, you're focusing on red. The plushed buddies, the bunnies on the floor, what were just not done right. I get there's not, they can't really have real animals, but when they show in the commercials that there's going to be bunnies, I expect them to maybe have screens or cages that are moving or something like dead, exp- uh, dead exposure patient zero, like the monkeys were. But no, they just have some stuffed rabbits on the floor and like, here you go. But just right. overall, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going on a tangent, but just overall, I didn't find it that scary and I didn't really like the movie. So that's definitely a reason why I did not like the house. You're definitely not alone, but uh, yeah, go ahead, Doug. I was going to say, I can only imagine you are fuming right now. <laughs> I loved it. I, I mean, I, I'm on the record. If you want to hear what my, I think about it, you can go back to listen to one of the, like the first five episodes of the show. Um, but um, the f- fun factor, what are we thinking? Uh, pretty high up, like what, around an eight? Yeah, I, mean, I think eight's good. If you ask for my opinion, of course, I mean, I don't think it's a surprise. It would be a 10 being that it was, it would be the house. It was the house that I did the most that I made sure to hit the most because the clowns were just so interactive with me, even though they were in their little boo holes, they always waved or, you know, did something to let you know that they were, you know, they weren't just actors popping out and going boo. They were more, they were the characters themselves. And just with my brother and his love for it, I always had a fun time in that house. And I can't imagine a house that year that I had more fun in. So I think, it's definitely a 10 for me, but of course I am biased because of my experiences. And what about you, John? What do you think? Well, for me, the whole thing, the experience for me is the reaction of the people and the whole vibe and spirit of it. I mean, for me to criticize like how they recreated the film, I feel almost ridiculous in doing that. I just, the, waiting in line, the, the anticipation to go in, uh, would be nothing without the experience of the, the audience that was in there and and kind of like the energy that they have. So and that that goes for both um, both Orlando and uh, Hollywood. I don't know if any of you had seen the Hollywood one, except for I've watched, YouTube. 
No, I, yeah, I, except for YouTube. So uh, being there in person is a much different experience than being there, um, uh, you know, virtually, mm-hmm. because you could just you just get the vibe of all the people in front of you uh, that are all around you. So that's my take on it. You yeah, know, it's, it's it was it was an audience experience. Mm-hmm. You know, oh definitely. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. So we think uh, general consensus around an eight. Perfect. I would yeah. go for that. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, and then uh, the next one is kind of a silly one. Um, sometimes, not every year, but there is a year that we like to call the hot house. It kind of makes it kind of more of a like a PD-13 rated R event where they kind of uh, lean into the curve of like having sexy uh, characters in it. Um, from a scale of one to 10, what do we think of this one? Was it the hotness factor? Uh, I would probably say not necessarily uh, too high up on there. Well, <laughs> we'll be completely transparent about this. We were going to put it at a zero until <laughs> we thought about the uh, growing breasts that occur <laughs> in this house. And I think that the fact that they put the effort in to make that happen in the house, got to put it at least a one, right? Right. Absolutely. Because obviously the clowns themselves uh, make up almost every scare actor in this house. And the sex appeal on the clowns is um, very, very low. <laughs> Unless that's your thing. If everyone's ag- agreed upon that one, we don't agreed. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, um, second to last is going to be the gore factor. How gory is the house? So we're talking about blood and guts. Um, many of the houses in the past are definitely very, very gory. What do you guys think on this one? Low. Low. I'm yeah. going to say low also. I'm trying yeah, to very low. low. Yeah, I would say probably like a two. And then uh, lastly, this is going to be the legacy prediction. Basically, uh, in the HHN uh, fandom, how um, how much are we going to look back at this house and be like, man, you remember Blank House? Um, how far, like, how much of a legacy is uh, this house going to leave on the community? So I'll say I think this house specifically will be kind of. Uh, like mid-tier, I think Killer Clowns as a whole, if you included uh, the Scare Zone from HHN 28, would push this up to about like an eight. Eight, eight and, and a half, half, nine even. Yeah, people I are going to remember. Just sure looking at kill- this yeah. specific house, um, probably more like a six. Because uh, I think, honestly, the Scare Zone is going to overshadow it a bit. I can see where you're coming from. Um, yeah, you're right, though. The Them together, people are definitely going to look back and be like, hey, remember the killer clown years of HHN? And that's gonna they're going to kind of combine them together in their mind. Um, mm-hmm. What do you guys think? You are on this is kind of the same page with that? I think Clownzilla is going to leave an impact. Oh, yeah. I mm-hmm. think that'll probably be the largest impact. Probably not the rest of the house, but uh, at least for me personally, I know uh, Clownzilla will have an impact on me because that was the probably my favorite part of the house and i'll just leave it there yeah this one is obviously everyone has their own opinion about much how they like the house if they think it's they're gonna think back on it but as a general rule we're we'll put it in like the higher tier ish like the six and a half seven range on legacy yeah you're right, okay with that perfect all right well that uh basically wraps up the house dissection of the killer uh, killer clowns from outer space uh, i want to thank you guys so much for joining me and nerding out on this house um so uh jonathan uh thank you from so much for joining us uh once again jonathan is uh hung up on theme parts on instagram uh thanks for so much for joining us jonathan 
No problem. I love I loved it. I loved every minute of it, and I would love to be back whenever you guys want me. Definitely, Absolutely. we'll have you back. Uh, uh, yeah, definitely call us and leave voicemails. We love your uh, your voicemails, so definitely leave those as often as you can, and we'll try to get you back on another show as soon as we can too. And then, John, uh, I really really want to thank you for joining us yes thank um, you. you added so much to the show um this dissection wouldn't be the same without you um john dot masari on instagram and john masari on twitter uh thanks so, so much for joining us john well thank you for having me you're a, a great bunch of guys and i can't wait to get back out to orlando again we'll maybe we'll have a true a true in-person hang Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Our, yeah your Six first beer is on us. First five, ten, however many you want. <laughs> many beers as you want. Yeah. I don't well, know. Thank if you guys. Do. I appreciate yeah, it. We'll be going to Pat O'Brien's and Margaritaville. <laughs> <laughs> Before we uh, go, I just want to let us know that we do have a voicemail line. Give us a call um, and leave. Um, your feedback on the show and what you want to talk about. This is if you have something you want to talk about, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, we will put it on the next end of the show. So that is 407 906 3405. And you can see uh, find us on Instagram and Twitter at, at HHN365. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the streets. Mm-hmm.